behind Q. He's working for the president, he's working for our country. Alien Welcome, dear listeners, to Lucky Episode 13 of the QAnon Anonymous Podcast, the human trafficking episode. I'm your host, Jake. And I'm your co-host, Julian. We're joined by Will Summer, reporter for the Daily Beast and author of the Right Richter newsletter that you can find at rightrichter.com. It tracks conservative media. It breaks my brain. (laughs) Welcome, Will. Hey, thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure to finally get you on. You know, you, uh, you are one of the swimmers in the waters of QAnon. Um, somehow, uh, you seem to come back without the bends. So I feel like you, <laughs> you know, you have a good head on your shoulders. Yeah. I, I don't think I could spend that much time. Yeah. You've got there. some, you got some common sense floaties. <laughs> yeah. I'd be, I, I'd be one of the first, like a couple of characters in the movie that just goes crazy and <laughs> you just see them swimming off into the darkness like where is he going yes you know and i'm the character you wouldn't even see me you just they would find a scrap of my clothing left behind <laughs> <laughs> so this week we have to touch on you know what is kind of a huge part of the QAnon conspiracy and it, it it's around human trafficking now, specifically, obviously, children uh, are involved here. They, they, they have this obsession with pedophilia. Um, and it all ties into the border wall, of course, because of course, why wouldn't it? Uh, so if you don't mind, Will, could, could you take us uh, through the kind of QAnon, the central theory that, that uh, has been established by the community and by Q around human trafficking? Sure, absolutely. I mean, this is something you all have touched on before. But I mean, human trafficking is sort of a, a core concept at the heart of QAnon. And one of the ones that when you talk to QAnon people, they won't really say like, like the first level of QAnon, it's kind of like Scientology, right? Mm -hmm. Like you reach a certain level and they're like, okay, here's what it's really about. Yeah. (laughs) And the first level is like, there's a lot of like, like when people were interviewing QAnon people and they would say, well, I just don't like the corruption. Yeah. And it's like, well, what do you mean? Well, here's what they mean. Yeah. So, you know, when you get down to it, the idea is that, you know, there's this, um, that kind of at the core of this, the global pedophile elite, is this human trafficking and they're stealing children and all this stuff. And then, of course, as, as you've touched on before, the sort of ultimate goal is to, uh, you know, drain children of their adrenochrome, uh, yeah. you know, and, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, human trafficking is really at the core of it. Uh, we saw uh, a couple months ago, you know, with this this idea of um, – like that, this Mexican cement company was involved in human trafficking. Oh yes, uh, in 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 Arizona, you know, they basically found a homeless camp and they said, "Well, this is a human trafficking camp," uh-huh. and it kind of spun out from there. And and you know, one of the things uh, that keeps coming back is that the wall is not actually some sort of racist measure rooted around fear uh, of Mexicans, but it's actually, you know, Trump's. Um, subterfuge uh, in his attempt to stop human trafficking, which he doesn't talk about that much, but once in a while I'll see him kind of nod to that just to keep that part of the base interested. We've also seen QAnon politicians running on platforms of stopping uh, child trafficking, pedophilia. Um, I, you know, what is the theory here that 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 somehow? If you build a wall, I mean, you still have to process people who show up to your border. It doesn't stop that. Are they arguing that human trafficking is happening through, like, the open border, the parts that, that can't be monitored? Yeah, that's the idea is sort of like, uh, well, no wonder the, these Democrats don't want the wall because that'll, like, cut off their flow of children. Yeah. Right. And, you know, other stuff ties into that, too, right? Like NAFTA and just various, like, open borders things. And they say, well, 
you know, the, the, the reason they don't want that is because they're smuggling, you know, all these children in these the, the trucks that go up and down the border. Right. And our, our lax uh, immigration policies is what allows these, you know, elite uh, politicians to sort of use the loopholes to bring in their barrels of children. Yeah. I love the idea that it starts with uh, a QAnon believer telling you that it's about corruption. And it's just like, yeah, yeah. It gets deeper. You, you start talking to them a bit more. It's like, yeah, I just hate pork barrel spending and pedophiles are draining <laughs> children of their blood. There's a lot of like layers with QAnon where, you know, you get into it and like, like there's a there's a strong segment uh, that believes in reptilians. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, and so, like, like people will be dissecting QAnon, and they'll be like, "Oh, you know, this hypothesis confirmed." And then you fall down that hole, and you realize they're talking about reptilians. And of course, that uh, that is not not at the surface level. No, and we 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 have seen this a lot. Like old conspiracy theory guys who see a new movement come, like QAnon, and they kind of retrofit all of their beliefs. You know, ha having kind of done um, a survey of uh, most of the main conspiracy theories in America, I was struck by just how many are shoved into uh, the kind of catch-all that is QAnon. Right. It's like Travis View, when, he, when he's on the show, he's always said that that's, that's kind of the biggest appeal to a lot of these people about QAnon is that it does encompass everything. It's the ultimate closed-circuit conspiracy theory because you can fit in Everything and oh, and because it's and oh, because the perpetrators are you know these high level government elites. Of course, they're gonna do whatever it takes to you know keep their secret world uh, you know chugging along. What's interesting too about this is like everybody gets what they came for, right? So if you're a white supremacist and you show up and the QAnon community gets what they want, you get what you want just as a kind of result of that. You know, if you're showing up at the table and you just don't like other people from different countries, you know, then the result of whatever uh, QAnon will be the closing of the borders or whatever. So everyone kind of comes to this, believes it in uh, to a certain degree, sometimes not even at all, but they just believe pragmatically, hey, I'd like the result of having more and more people believe this because, you know, they'll get accomplished something that I want. Well, yeah. And like you were saying earlier, it excuses them from having to admit like that they have racist ideology or anything. They go, oh, well, mm -hmm. I'm not right. Dude, I'm saving the children. Yeah. It's, it's not me yeah. being a racist. It's me wanting to save the children. Well, I was going to say, and certainly, I mean, in, in the case of the wall and so much of this other stuff, I mean, it, it, if, it, being against pedophilia is you know, such a popular political position. It's not a political position. I mean, like, no one is in favor of it. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and yet, uh, it, 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 and so it allows them to dress their other politics up in a way that, you know, the same thing with Pizzagate, in, in a way that's like, that's very hard to argue against because then, of course, they can say, wow, geez, you sure are mad that I don't like pedophiles. <laughs> yeah. I wonder why that is. You sure seem to like pedophiles. And it's like, well, yeah. no, I'm just yeah. trying to laugh off insane nonsense levied at me. And then, and then two days later, like whatever media company employs that person fires them over. <laughs> 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 in the 2018 edition of The Barbarians Are at the Gate, Vote for Me, the news has been filled to the brim with bullshit coverage and disgusting punditry uh, about a group of Central American migrants. So um, what I decided to do was fish around, uh, and I found a decent article with actual reporting in it uh, by Reuters. You know, they're usually relatively um, harmless. Uh, it was published yesterday by... Delphine Schrank and Ana Isabel Martinez. There's additional reporting by Jose Cortez in Mapastapec, Mexico, which is currently where the migrants are moving through, or at least they were yesterday, as well as Karina Pons and Vivian Sequera in Caracas, Venezuela. I believe they actually had to hire those last two just to follow up on 
this absurd statement uh, on the right that Venezuela is sponsoring this caravan. Central American migrants clustered for the night on Wednesday in a southern Mexico town after advancing their trek towards the United States, despite Mexico's vows to hinder their progress under pressure from the Trump administration. Thousands of men, women, and children, mostly from Honduras, shuffled throughout the afternoon into the town of Mapastepec in Chiapas State, still more than 1,100 miles or 1,770 kilometers from the U.S. border. That's right. You better translate those miles for me. As nightfall came and rain began to pour, they camped out on sidewalks in a small town, wrapping knapsacks in plastic and huddling beneath awnings. So before we continue with the article, this strikes me as just a vastly different picture than what I'm seeing in the media. You know, it, it's... Uh, People who clearly didn't even choose, you know, shoes for the journey, um, who are huddled together. It, this this almost sounds like the description of uh, the tired and huddled masses. Yes. Or. Or. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's a deep state plot. I mean, so. Good point. You know, th th this is a, yeah, so I should say, you know, our good friend Q has gone missing for the past, uh, what, two weeks now? Yep. Yeah. Um, and so, curiously, Q has kind of been uh, out of commission for a lot of, you know, recent developments, uh, including, notably, uh, you know, so supposedly the QAnon people believe Q as a federal employee is not, is staying, is not commenting until after the election. Uh, yes, as, yes. Right. <laughs> yes, because of all of the shit that he's leaked, if true, yeah. the one rule that Q would never break <laughs> never. is the, is a fucking shitty act from God act. knows how long ago that has never <laughs> been used. Like... <laughs> Yeah. So, 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 yeah. So, you, you know, the the idea that, and certainly a lot of QAnon people are on board with this. Uh, although it's not only QAnon people, this idea that George Soros and the deep state, these various groups, have kind of signed up to to push uh, these migrants north. And a lot of these pictures, like other QAnon things, rely on kind of like, like, like sort of just glimpsed symbols and stuff. And so, for example, there's like a Star of David on one of these trucks people are driving, and so they're like, oh, it's the Jews. And so, so you might think, you know, well, you know, as with so many QAnon things, if people really were up to these nefarious things, why would they leave their symbols out? But we know that QAnon within it has like the code that explains, it's like, oh, I know the symbolism is so obvious because they have the mottos, their symbolism will be their downfall. And these people are stupid. Yeah, <laughs> you know, which which is which which also like plays into the kind of like like the the QAnon believer kind of like thinking they're like smarter than the rest. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, it, it, the idea that, of course, the deep state or George Soros would be driving these these migrants up uh, right ahead of the election, it's kind of like, it, like, how would that benefit the Democrats? But no one, no one seems to have unclear. Yeah, there's a lot of like, oh my god, they're gonna reach the border by election day, and like, do what? You know, I mean, so be shuffled into a refugee camp, and everybody will yes, forget thanks. about them, and, and and in two weeks there'll be a new news cycle, and nobody will care about them anymore because, at its fucking core, even like the most liberal people, like are afraid of large groups of brown people. Yeah, exactly. That, you know what bl has blown me away during this entire process is just how little interest there is on both sides of the aisle uh, about the human rights crisis <laughs> yeah. and and the reason why mass migration is is um, happening thing. on a global <laughs> scale, you know? No one's discussing it that way. It's like literally like, oh, here are thousands of suffering people, you know, wearing their feet down to nubs to try to get somewhere where they might not get, you know, clipped by a paramilitary group. And Americans just, the information hits and it's like, well, which party is this going to profit in the midterms? <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. <laughs> at, at what... 
we're really, really far down shitty discourse. Well, and the funny thing, too, I was talking with Julian about this uh, the other day, and he was like, dude, if anything, it's rep- it's a Republican-backed thing because they're the ones who have the most to benefit from. Like, oh, oh look, like you got a bunch of like scary people that are... Yeah. And, and, and even on like conservative radio, they've already moved from talking about them uh, to referring to them as caravan, and they now call it the invasion. AP News published a piece calling them a ragtag army of the poor and then had to take it back. It's like, oh my God. How can you describe migrants, unarmed <laughs> migrants, as an army? It's like, just what level of uh, uh, xenophobic and, you know, just straight out of the colonial times uh, can, can you get? And you know what? The Democrats don't profit from this because they're put in a, in a hard place because the, most Democrats just care about consolidating power and and making money. And this is an awkward thing for them because they know that it would piss off a lot of people if they started openly arguing for the the migrants to be led in through legal avenues, but they're not, you know, they they don't want to stand up for that. It'll make them unpopular uh, at a time where, you know, people are scared, but they also don't want to like, you know, align with Trump or the Republicans on this because it makes them look like the monsters right. that the Republicans are. But so, they're, they're already failing. I saw a tweet from uh, um, Avenatti uh, a couple days ago, the, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the rising star in the Democratic Party. <laughs> Future uh, president, friend of the show. Yeah, very good friend of the show. <laughs> I saw him tweet something. It was something along the lines of like, it ended with like like we need like border security like he this dude like is yeah. already parroting like the the Republican narrative and it's like the idea that the Americans are soft on uh, vetting immigration and and have like a kind of weak and 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 porous border is incredible amounts of bullshit. I mean, there is almost no country in the world that is so difficult of access uh, for people, and that's why a lot of people take the illegal. Uh, you know, yeah. way in, instead of applying well, directly. Yeah, it's like, give us your tired, your poor, your huddled masses up until 1924. Yeah, <laughs> like, as long as they're white. <laughs> yeah, it's like, because yeah. I know both of us sitting here, like I, my family is Polish, immig- Polish and Russian immigrants and like not even that far away. Like my grandfather came over on a boat. Um, it's It's not even that far removed and it's so, yeah, we've completely stopped talking about like, the conditions that lead these people to leave Honduras. And you don't have to be a fucking historian or anything to know that Honduras is not a great place to be. So let's continue with the article just to continue to give a a little bit of context to, you know, what's currently happening with the caravan. The caravan, which began as a march of a few hundred people from the crime-wracked Honduran city of San Pedro Sula on October 13th, swelled into the thousands as it was joined by migrants from El Salvador, Nicaragua, and Guatemala. Mexican immigration authorities have told the migrants they will not be able to cross illegally into the United States. Alex Mensing of Pueblo Sin Fronteras, which means literally people with no borders, a group that organized a previous migrant caravan that angered Trump in April, said on Wednesday the current caravan is comprised of about 10,000 people. Pueblo Sin Fronteras is accompanying the caravan, which Mensing forecast would fragment in due course. Quote, it's very unlikely that 10,000 people will arrive together at a border city between Mexico and the United States, he told a conference call with reporters. Quote, there will be people who stay in Mexico, there will be people who go to different borders because everyone has their own plan and different support where they have family members. Migrants began departing Huistla in the wee hours of the morning, fanning out for about a mile and a half on the road towards Mapastepec. They walked in flip-flops and old sneakers. Many hitched rides from hundreds of cars, trucks, and public transportation. 
A Chiapas church group said they cooked for a full day, then drove over an hour from the mountains to reach the caravan, where they handed out coffee, sugary bread, and tamales, cornmeal patties stuffed with meat and vegetables. Every time they stopped to serve, migrants flung their small packs aboard their pickup, hoping to catch a ride. No, no, church volunteer Liz Miguel Rodriguez said, pointing to the containers of food. With these tamales, you'll have energy to walk all day. On Wednesday, Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro called U.S. Vice President Mike Pence crazy and extremist for accusing his government of financing the caravan. Pence said on Tuesday that the group was financed by Venezuela, quote, without providing evidence. <laughs> I just love that. Mexican authorities have tried to walk a fine line between responding to Trump's demands to close its borders and respecting migrants' rights. So the reason I like went looking for this article is because nobody's talking about it in such just plain, simple terms with no spin. These are migrants. They have human rights. They are heading somewhere, not illegally. Like it's it's not like they all have tactical gear to, and water to cross, uh, you know, in the in the harder to cross areas that are incredibly dangerous, by the way, and people die every year out there. They're coming straight for the border potentially to try to come in legally. So the the entire discussion of are they coming? Or are they not coming? Are we going to let them reach the border or not? It's like the fuck are you it has nothing to do with anything yeah these are this isn't like the white walkers that, yeah. that are that have a fucking like a, a definite destination with a definite intention no. like something that's really interesting about this article uh just the language in it is that it's like yeah they walk together because like mexico is not the safest place either like strength in numbers like these might they might have family members here they might split off and go here there's been no mention of that anywhere else in any media story that i've seen at least I wonder how hard it would be to just put yourself in the shoes of someone who has so little uh, in terms of material goods and so little to kind of live for on a local level that they would watch a passing group of people and just lay everything down and walk with them in sandals. I mean, you can't think, you can't possibly think this person is doing it because they're in a great situation. You know, and a lot of the time the narrative is like, they're gonna come and take advantage of this country. And I want to I want to say like how this is this country has the worst social safety net of almost any rich country in the world. These people <laughs> are taking a massive risk. Uh, it's a huge gamble, and we'll look a little bit into the um, the reasons for for their current conditions in Honduras uh, later when we we research uh, or we review some research I did about the U.S. interventionism in Honduras. Yeah, there was a there was a fascinating uh, New York Times article where they quoted someone in Michigan who was scared the migrants were going to come and take her beach house her, or her her lake house. Yeah, and she said, "We got a lot of lake houses up here. You know, someone might come and take her. I mean, you know, it's thousands of miles away." Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so it's so interesting that 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 fear it's like the age old glass fear that the poor will rise up and drag the rich out of their beach houses into like a homemade like guillotine which is which to me is so clearly an indication that we know how unfair things are if we believe if we honestly believe that are that are the things that we've worked so hard to get all of our stuff is is legitimately at risk by you know people who have less wealth than we do yeah. from from shittier countries than than we have um 
you're acknowledged and they're and that they're willing to do exactly what you said, like just yep. pick up and leave everything. Then you're acknowledging like the vast inequality. But of, Jake, that's because those people are racially incapable of being good at capitalism, and that's why their country is behind <laughs> America's. Okay, it's just a na- it's like natural order. Like you, you believe don't, in Darwin, right? Yeah, you don't work hard enough. If if only these people in Honduras worked a little bit harder and and yeah. didn't want to take handouts, you know, maybe they would make something of themselves. Yeah, who who hikes in flip-flops this is clearly an unprofessional uh person you know like what are you going to show up to the job interview in flip-flops too i mean come on um but yeah it it is it is uh it's also very familiar for me because i grew up in south america i I lived two years in in venezuela and three years in brazil um all under the age of 18 what i saw in venezuela at the time where i was there uh it was uh you know pre-chavez inflation was crazy um, they had unstuck their currency from the dollar and things had gone completely haywire. The government's incredibly corrupt and in the pocket of, of the Americans, there had been a long history of intervention. But the, the point is, um, you, you know, even with all of these conditions, uh, the fear was, yes, this guy Chavez is going to come in. He's going to take our house. My grandparents left Venezuela because they feared that Chavez would take their house. It never happened. Like he he did not go and reappropriate rich people's uh, stuff. Now, of course, we can discuss the state of Venezuela for hours. But th- the point is this this fear of like appropriation of other people's homes, like that's the shit that like the people who are scared do to others. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We, we are the appropriators that that's why it's so scary i think for first world uh people whether liberal or conservative like we've spent our entire history appropriating other people's shit now we're living in a palace made from their bones and we're like well don't come take my vacation home in uh in light of all this shit the caravan and the the pipe bombs all the stuff that we'll, we'll get to in a little bit why do you think Q has disappeared? Like, this is prime Q stuff. I know. I mean, this is... It is very mysterious. I really thought Q was going to come out, uh, if not with the caravan, with the pipe bombs. Uh, it is, you know, obviously we've seen Q disappear in the past, uh, although... Has it been for this long? Yeah, so I think the longest one was maybe like a month or like a month and a week. Okay. So we, we've had longer ones, but it, but it is, especially the pipe bomb... And, you know, if you if you imagine Q is like very committed to like whipping up the the Trump faithful, I mean, this would yeah. be a prime time to do it. And so often prime Q, time. Q is about like counter narratives to like the news. And so, for example, like, oh, wow, it sure looks bad that all these Democrats got pipe bombs sent to them. You know, this is like when Q should be rushing in and saying, oh, don't yeah. worry yeah. about it. So, yeah, don't worry. Like, be like, not us. Trust the plan. Other, other operative, like other operative C24 kill boxed like uh, yeah you would think that he would be you would think that this is the prime time for him to emerge i mean i swear to god man i woke up today and like went straight to qanon.pub to be like oh there's gotta be there's gotta be something but nothing and so it really makes me wonder like it it, is whoever's running the account like did they get grounded from computer privileges (laughs) or something like for over the like did they like stay out with the you know the family's you know the family's caravan like you know too late at night and they're you know they lost their privileges or what like it it just doesn't make any sense amidst all this especially the claims that Q's made about human trafficking and 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 this care you know these migrants moving you know moving towards the border I mean it it really he's you know, in the entertainment world, they call that a blown opportunity. I mean, the, the, yeah. But have you considered that uh, Q, you know, living in such a high stress kind of spy 
situation. He's producing a lot of adrenaline, so you know, maybe the deep state finally got their hands on that that sweet, sweet adrenalized blood. <laughs> oh no, they they drained Q. <laughs> yeah, they drained Q. Yeah. Q is upside down on a meat hook in some fucking old warehouse somewhere. <laughs> That's another interesting thing that you guys bring up. Where? How come nobody in the community is worried that Q has been gotten? You yeah, know, no one like, ever talks about that because Q is like invincible, right? I mean, he he if you're not going to think that your guru is so untactical that he's going to get captured or your leader does a reason for everything. You know what what I think we're starting to see like in a combination of QAnon's been going on so long that people are I think even the Q diehards are somewhat starting to, you know, get mm-hmm. a little disillusioned. And then as the midterms get closer because the original thing right was like just trust the plan, right? And, and, and like you're at a movie, there's a lot of talk about like popcorn and stuff, Yeah. but now we got to get revved up for the midterms. And so now there's a lot of like, we are the plan. And yes, there's and, a lot of that. And, yeah. and like, you know, now the Q's gone for who knows how long there's talk about like, uh, oh, you know, we are Q, you know, Q is, was within uh-huh, yeah. all of us. So yeah, that's been an interesting shift. It is, and it does connect to the pipe bomb thing, because, I mean, if you are Q, then you're the one that has to start, you know, Red October. You're the one that has to, you know, kick off this thing that's going to end in military tribunals and executions. So it would make sense that, you know, for the more mentally ill uh, among the community, it could become something physical, like it did with Pizzagate. Well, it, right. I, I'm very interested to see this bomber's motives, uh, because certainly, I mean, you know, as, as with Pizzagate, if you're taking this at its face value, I mean, it's like, okay, look, there are these people and they're like kidnapping kids and they're draining them of their blood and they're raping them and all this stuff. And then, but don't worry about it. Don't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. Yeah. So like, you know, naturally, I mean, it, it's something that gets people really revved up to do something. And then when something happens, they say, Q is a nonviolent research movement. Did you guys see, of course, like all uh, in the last two days that they've started to float this um, idea that uh, that Middle Eastern terrorists have worked their way into the caravan, that 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 the caravan is essentially is essentially a delivery. It's like a Trojan horse Mm. for for Middle Eastern Islamic terrorism. I just, that's just so amazing. And I think Trump didn't even have to say terror. Like he just said, I saw some Middle Easterners. It starts with ISIS, with claiming that they're ISIS people, right? Trump claims there's ISIS people in the caravan because the president of Guatemala, who's apparently a big blowhard, had claimed, oh, we caught 100 ISIS people, which, by the way, would be a total, like, (laughs) the war is not going that great against ISIS if there's 100 of them in Guatemala. And then, like, then that kind of morphed into they're in the caravan. And then that's had to keep getting reduced down to, well, no, they're Middle Easterners, which which is a very like kind of bizarre like yeah. ipso facto they're terrorists. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, well, can you prove they're not Middle Easterners? And I saw this one where it was like, well, you know, there's a lot of uh, Lebanese people in Paraguay. Well, of course, that's like a thousand miles away, <laughs> unrelated. Yeah, it I just mean, these boils pe- down to like they are of darker skin. These people are just sad that they haven't invented calipers that could measure skulls inside photos. You know, they, they need like a digital caliper to fucking examine all these photos and be like, yup, I've identified four or five uh, Middle Easterners in this photo, sir. Oh my God. It's always like a, it's like a photo from eight years ago in Crimea or something. Yeah. Just, well, it, it, it's like the classic QAnon thing that comes up so much is, it gets to the point of like, well, can you prove they're not? Of course, yeah. There, there aren't anyone. There isn't anyone from the Middle East. And I was like, well, you know. which doesn't really fit with the innocent until proven. Yeah, guilty I was shit. just gonna yeah, say they were running with Kavanaugh. Against, yeah, it goes it against doesn't. everything. All of the shit. 
Uh, I find that the conversation is so far from like basic humanitarian concerns, right? You can't really stop spin. People are going to spin. But if you know the context, you can recognize spin for what it is. So here's some basic info. Honduras is home to a population of approximately 10 million people. This is just above the population of the city of New York. So it's not a very big country. You'll be surprised to know that America's interest in Honduras ranges back to the 1890s, as I mentioned, when U.S.-based banana companies started setting up shop in the Central American country. The first to arrive were the Vaccaro brothers from New Orleans, but by the early 1900s, a guy named Samuel Zemeray, a.k.a. Sam the Banana Man, became the dominant force in Honduras. Um, Isn't that the, like the guy in Curious George? Wasn't he like the Banana Man? <laughs> Uh, yeah, probably. Oh, no, he was the man in the yellow hat. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, if, if there is like a Curious George book where Curious George gets set to work on the banana plantation and uh, whip <laughs> using script. Yeah, we should do a series, a series. You could sell them at like Urban Outfitters or whatever, like a series of like Curious George books where he actually goes to, yeah, yeah he, you actually put him up against like the fucking like horrible like colonization of like, you know, various third world countries. Oh, man, he's so curious. And then he, it's like every book just ends with him curled up on his bed in the fetal position like <laughs> i wish i wasn't so curious <laughs> i found out too much so historian walter lefebvre uh, studied the late 1800s and early 1900s u.s presidents honduras and he had this to say these banana companies bought up lands built railroads established their own banking systems and bribed government officials at a dizzying pace the northern coast became a foreign-controlled enclave that systematically swung the whole of Honduras into a one-crop economy whose wealth was carried off to New Orleans, New York, and later Boston. The two Honduran political parties, the conservatives and the liberals, encouraged the development so they could profit from export duties. Their policy made some sense economically, but none politically. For the North Coast, banana plantations were virtually sealed off geographically from the rest of the country. The government's representative in the coastal area became quasi-independent of the Honduran government and easily controlled by the fruit companies. Of course, those goddamn fruit companies, <laughs> impossible to ignore. A little governed country became even less governed. The Hondurans had been systematically cut off, first geographically, then politically, from their own wealth. Unlike neighboring El Salvador, where a few wealthy families made fortunes in coffee during the 19th century, then moved to take control of trade and banking, the Hondurans never took that first step of gaining some control over their nation's key product. Instead, the 22 or so companies that had initially come in and bought from scattered Honduran banana growers soon melted down to three large companies that took over the actual growing of the bananas, and the best land as well. All that was left for Hondurans was the customs house receipts, and not even those were certain. A U.S. official reported from the capital, quote, Occasionally a mule train with money from the coast arrives, but no one knows exactly what becomes of it. This history was never understood by North Americans who wondered why Hondurans continued to be so poor and ungovernable. <laughs> the companies, of course, were pleased that Hondurans busied themselves fighting over customs receipts. A less dependent government would have caused real trouble. So, you know, before we continue down this road, let's be clear here what the banana plantations were. These were not, uh, you know, a place for people to come and work in exchange for money, uh, which could then afford them a home. These uh, were places where wage slavery was absolutely baseline, and you could spend the money you earned only in the store that was attached to the banana plantations. Um, there was actual slavery, of course. There were beatings, torture, uh, a lot of murder if anyone tried to organize or, or protest the conditions. And uh, the, the working conditions were incredibly dangerous anyways. No protective materials, um, chemicals, you name it. Uh, and this continues, I mean, over the next hundred years. It really mirrored the Western European treatment of African and South American populations during the colonial era, like the rubber plantations in the Congo, etc. So I'm claiming interventionism. I'm triggered, so <laughs> let's rely on some facts. 
1907, Americans sent in the Marines to install Miguel Davila in the place of some Honduran exiles who tried to carry out a coup with the help of the Nicaraguans. So not that this coup was attempted by good people. Um, we could record a whole other episodes on, on Nicaragua and the American role there. But anyways, uh, the U.S. soon fell out of love with Davila that they had installed because he was going to sign a deal with J.P. Morgan to give them control of Honduras co Honduran customs and turn the country into what the Americans called a U.S. protectorate, which is... Typical. <laughs> I fucking love when they call it something like that. It's like the equivalent uh, in 1949 when USA began production on a bomber plane called the Peacemaker. <laughs> it's like that level of euphemism. So basically you see here American companies fighting over the banana plantations using like their government connections to like overthrow the president and then even overthrowing the president when it was just a deal they didn't want to have happen with other Americans. Over bananas, which is arguably not even that great of fruit. Like, <laughs> takes a lot of work to open. Like, it's got the fucking strings. Like, sometimes, like, spiders know. come in the bushes. That's like, I don't know. Like, I, I bananas mean, are great, man. Uh, look like a dick, you know, look like a dick if you're slightly homophobic, you know, they're tough to eat. Like, I don't know why you would even mention that. I, why would you bring that I up? I don't know. I was just not, I'm not, I wasn't thinking of it or anything. So, yeah, there were internal battles to uh, exploit the Hondurans. Uh, Samuel Zemurai was like, fuck you, JP Morgan. And in 1911, he financed American mercenaries to overthrow the government again. Uh, the head of the American mercenaries was called Lee Christmas, which is a great name. Oh, tight. And in the aftermath of his interventions, he was appointed U.S. consul in Honduras. Oh. <laughs> they're just like, they're like, yes, please, sir, take off your bandana. Yes, uh, yes, just take a quick shower there and we'll put you in a suit. <laughs> He's a fucking bloodthirsty mercenary. Uh, so over the next 50 years, that, that was still in 1911. So over the next 50 years, unsurprisingly, the Honduran army became a major player in domestic politics because, you know, weapons are the only thing that can... Right. talk in a country like this that's so controlled uh by the mid-1960s it was in the words of lefebvre the country's most developed political institution which is always worrying washington and american corporate interests of course pulled the strings alan dulls director of the cia from 1953 to 1961 served on the united fruit company board they were the largest and most active exploiters of the people of honduras and their physical labor Alan Dulles, which I recommend you look into yourself, listener, also ran the CIA coup that overthrew the neighboring Guatemalan government in 1954. In 1961, he was presented with a National Security Medal by JFK. He was a big fan of interventionism and also oversaw a coup in Iran to remove their democratically elected president in 1953. Hell yeah. And he ran the classic Bay of Pigs operation, a failed attempt to invade Cuba by land, which got him sacked from the CIA. He later <laughs> investigated the assassination of JFK, the very president who fired him, which raised at the time some concerns about potential <laughs> conflicts of interest. <laughs> so this era is such a fucking disaster. It's just such chaos. Um, so yeah, so then during the Reagan presidency, people referred to Honduras as the USS Honduras or the Pentagon Republic due to the vice-like grip the U.S. had over the political and military situation there. The U.S. even installed a military base called Sotocano there. It's also often referred to as Palmarola. They used it to fund and train the Nicaraguan Contras of Reagan-era Iran-Contra scandal fame. These Contras then launched a series of raids in Honduras that resulted in upward of 30,000 dead. The base, Jesus Christ. The base where they were trained uh, and carried out operations from still exists, and 500 to 600 U.S. troops are stationed there today. They bunk with the Honduran Air Force Academy, who also use the facilities. 
Unsurprisingly, under a fascist government held in place by Reagan, Honduras saw a surge in political repression, politically motivated assassinations, disappearances, and illegal detentions. During this period, Reagan restructured the entire Honduran economy to enhance the manufacture and export of goods. He also helped deregulate and destabilize the global coffee trade, which Hondurans relied on heavily. In the words of Joseph Nevins, a professor who studied U.S. policy in Honduras, these decades of U.S. involvement in Honduras set the stage for Honduran emigration to the United States, which began to markedly increase in the 1990s. So this is the source of the uh, caravan. In the post-Reagan era, Honduras remained a country scarred by a heavy-handed military, significant human rights abuses, and pervasive poverty. Still, liberalizing tendencies of successive governments and grassroots pressures provided opening for democratic forces. They contributed, for example, to the election of Manuel Zelaya, a liberal reformist, as president in 2006. You guys uh, want to gander to what happened to <laughs> man Zelaya? <laughs> well, <laughs> let's just say he didn't please the Americans because he led on progressive measures such as raising the minimum wage, which they don't even allow mm-hmm. domestically anymore. So uh, uh, uh. <laughs> on foreign territories, <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> Um, He also tried to organize a plebiscite to allow for a constituent assembly to replace the country's constitution, which had been written during a military government, so that's never good. Uh, Anyways, these efforts incurred the ire of the country's oligarchy, uh, leading to his overthrow by the military in June 2009. No surprise. Um, That coup, more than any other development, explains the increase in Honduran migration across the southern U.S. border in the last few years. The Obama administration has played an important role in these developments, and it wasn't positive. Although it officially decried Zelaya's ouster, it equivocated on whether or not it constituted a coup, which would have required the U.S. to stop sending most aid to the country. So instead, they continued to send aid to the new government, which was a fascist military government that had seized control of the country. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, in particular, sent conflicting messages, which is weird because she's so consistent usually. Uh, And she worked to ensure that Zelaya did not return to power, which doesn't make sense, unless... America wanted the government to be fascist over there. This was contrary to the wishes of the Organization of American States, the leading hemispheric political forum composed of the 35 member countries of the Americas. Of course, they were like, why? Why are you doing this to us again? Uh, It includes the Caribbean. Several months after the coup, Clinton supported a highly questionable election aimed at legitimating the post-coup government. Thank you, Hillary. Strong military ties between the U.S. and Honduras persist. Several hundred U.S. troops are stationed at Sotocano. I mentioned that. In the name of fighting the drug war and providing humanitarian aid. Another Ah, another wonderful drug war. (laughs) I love to provide humanitarian aid for the crises I created. Uh, Since the coup, and also uh, having the humanitarian aid effort bunking with the military that is creating the situation. Uh, Since the coup, writes historian Dana Frank, a series of corrupt administrations has unleashed open criminal control of Honduras from top to bottom of the government. Organized crime, drug traffickers, and the country's police heavily overlap. Impunity reigns in a country with frequent politically motivated killings. It is the world's most dangerous country for environmental activists, according to Global Witness, an international non-governmental organization. Although its once sky-high murder rate has declined, the continuing exodus of many youth demonstrates that violent gangs still plague urban neighborhoods. Meanwhile, post-coup governments have intensified an increasingly unregulated, quote, free market form of capitalism that makes life unworkable for many, just as it does everywhere. Government spending on health and education, for example, has declined in Honduras. Meanwhile, the country's poverty rate has risen markedly. These contribute to the growing pressures that push many people to migrate. 
while the next U.S. president will deliberate about what to do about unwanted immigration from south of the border, I don't want to break it to this poor person who wrote this article. I mean, what would this person think if we told him, actually, actually the next president is the guy who fires people on The Apprentice. So yeah. good luck with that. Uh, good luck with that. <laughs> this history provides lessons as to the roots of migration. It also raises ethical questions as to the responsibility of the United States towards those now fleeing from the ravages U.S. policy has helped to produce. Well, I, I have a bit of a fact about our friend, the mercenary Lee Christmas. Uh, perhaps to assert his toughness or to intimidate the natives, Christmas was known to chew on glass. So that was the kind of guy we were appointing a uh, sort of pseudo dictator of Honduras. God yeah, that's damn. that's who you that's like when you're in a junior high like a like a North Shore Midwest junior high gang, like how you find the leader, like the kid oh man, fucking uh Billy, he chews on glass, dude, and he smokes yes. cigarettes. We definitely have to make him the leader of our gang. I love that like the majority of the people that are sent to interfere in foreign countries are like the kid who would yeah. smash his head in the locker and like lock eyes with you while he did it to show to show just how crazy he was. It's a prison mentality. It's like that, you know, oh well, when you show up to Honduras, you gotta find the tallest, toughest guy mm -hmm. and fucking kill him. <laughs> Your tallest, toughest political opponent. Also, my name is Christmas, bitch. Yeah, Lee Christmas sounds like somebody that Trump would appoint to his like board of generals, like yeah. he, like General Christmas. Yeah, he'll he'll be yeah, he's like responsible for LGBT outreach and like has <laughs> personally <laughs> murdered several gay people. <laughs> See, but why isn't anybody on the news talking about that? Like the in, the first thing should be, here's why we have these people yeah. coming before it goes to whose fault is it, the Democrats or the Republicans, or who stands the most to gain in the midterm elections. And, but, but I think that's just asking way too much. And that's where I think the reason why this deepening crisis around the delegitimization of the press by Trump is only going to get worse because – these people are not doing their jobs. They're not providing fucking context. They're not studying history. And they're inviting on fucking talking heads for hours and hours and hours. And meanwhile, you know, the country is getting worse because Trump can get up there and say, yeah, th these people are just, they're not telling you the whole story. And even though what he means is that, you know, they're not saying nice things about him, He's correct in that they are shitty at doing their jobs and that their narrative is false, or at least, at the very least, you know, incomplete and Incom misleading. If the press wants the left to support the press, the press needs to start doing a job of, of investigative journalism. Like, otherwise, no one's going to stand up for MSNBC. No one's going to stand up for CNN because yesterday MSNBC had Eric Erickson <laughs> on. I mean, I don't know if you understand how absolutely stupid that is as a choice but this guy is just an open white supremacist he's spreading fake news non-stop on twitter he's you know infamous for this shit and msnbc has him on as like someone's whose opinion we should listen to i remember when i was a kid um probably like in junior high uh and i was growing you know, living in chicago um in, in the, on the North Shore, there was uh, there's a town called Skokie, which my like very Jewish grandparents lived in. R.I.P. And um, <laughs> there was a there was a big hullabaloo in the town because the Ku Klux Klan wanted to do a march, or it was it was neo Nazis wanted to do a march through Skokie, which was a a known highly Jewish area. Oh God. 
And there was literally, it was the only way we knew about us because the people in the community were talking. There was no news coverage. Mm. Nobody gave an ounce of airtime to these guys. It was as if they didn't exist. And now, and now you have people sitting down with guys like Eric Erickson or yeah. like Richard Spencer and they're giving them a platform. Like it's, it's bananas to me because what they're trying to do, I get what they're trying to do is be like, it will, if we allow them to sort of, speak and like give their quote unquote opinion, then people will surely realize how crazy it is and they will reject this this hateful rhetoric. But instead, all it is is like other Nazis are like, oh man, one of us on the TV talking, spreading the word. Like, oh man, now yeah. is the best, right now is the best and coolest time to be a Nazi in the United States of America. I was also, uh, I, I recently watched a fantastic movie called Generation Wealth. It's based on like a, a lo long photographic uh, journalist uh, job. Um, I cannot remember uh, the name of the director, but anyways, worth checking out. And they were really looking into the sources of greed and like the stock market lifestyle. And what they found out was like people watched Wall Street, the movie, which is a criticism of of that stuff. And everybody was like, Gordon Gekko's mm -hmm. fucking cool. Cool, yeah. So it th that's this weird thing, right, where you can make art that's honest, that criticizes. And then 30 years later, you just have a generation of businessmen who are like, this guy's a hero. Same thing with, with Don Draper. So, you know, all these yeah. people who are th these kind of anti-heroes and like, no, 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 America's smart enough to know that we're, we shouldn't admire these people. Yet, that's just not what's happening. Yeah, everybody starts wearing dumb hats because they want to look like 1950s. But it's like, dude, you're in Los Angeles and it's 80 <laughs> degrees. You yeah. Don't, you don't need a... A top hat and a fucking Afghan. Everybody wants to be Scarface, but no one wants to die of like a cocaine overdose after saying so you true. want to fuck your sister. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, Nobody wants to put in the work of, of having a lifelong crush on your own sister, which you eventually murder for. Will, what do you think is, I know it's slightly off topic, but what do you think is the ultimate, what's going to be the the finale of the the caravan? Like, how yeah, do, yeah, where how is do this you going? Think, how, yeah, where is it going? How do you think it ends? And do, and do you think Q is, is coming back? Yeah, okay, so, you know, it's a good question. I mean, I, I think what's going to happen is the caravan's going to get there and they're going to get uh, processed and, and that'll be it. I mean, I don't think, I mean, like it, it, this yeah. idea that, you know, a lot of people on the right have been calling for, army basically to like gun them down uh i i don't think it's going to happen uh and yeah so i mean it, it'll be kind of an anti-climax uh from that point of view uh and then yeah i think q's coming back i think this grift is too good to give it's up it's too good um there's too much merch I, you know i wonder i wonder if q is like a little concerned about some backlash if republicans take a take a dunking mm, in the uh, the midterms right. Maybe Q wants to lay low for a little bit and yeah. kind of figure out his next move. Yeah, it, it is quite interesting that 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 he's completely silent. Um, but I was saying this on last episode, like, why doesn't he just make a bot that could post some cryptic shit like once a week? I mean, it's not. I don't understand. Just do some numbers. Yeah, like it could just be random. Like he could literally just pre-write like twelve posts and just yeah. make sure every week there's at least one. I, I don't understand what what he's doing by going silent. It just seems like bad strategy. I mean, if Q is actually some intern in the Trump admin or, or you know, one of his <laughs> whatever inner circle who's in charge of this this social media op, um, as, as I like to call it, I mean, it's I think it is very possible that he's kind of sitting back and trying to see how he can frame because it's very tough because you, you have the midterms, which could which could go either way. And because they can go either way, it, it, it's just it's inherent that Q 
doesn't have control over it. And so I think that they're really right. careful about what they say about it because at the very least, they have to maintain that trust the plan. They're in control. If all if all if the both House and Senate are overturned and got Democratic control and Trump's impeached, there is a plan behind that. And there, you know, that what, that's what, all a part of it. It's like what you don't know is that Q actually got jury duty. It just so t- turns out that the jury duty was a military tribunal in, in Gitmo uh, trying Hillary Clinton. So, you know, he's busy. <laughs> Yeah, we're just going to move on to our our next uh, most current topic. Pipe bombs are back, baby. Woo! Pipe bombs are in the news. You know what the bombs look like to me? They look like a toy I had like as a, a kid, like the Ninja Turtle goo, like the, <laughs> the thing that supposedly fell down in yes. the sewers and broke. <laughs> so in the news, a developing story about 10 pipe bombs being sent to multiple targets, generally considered to be Democrat aligned and having in common their criticism of Trump and his administration. George Soros was the first to receive one. Uh, I'm contractually obligated to uh, ask the listeners to not do anything bad to George Soros. He pays very well. Uh, that includes Will. Uh, and, <laughs> and us. <laughs> please don't bite the hand that feeds us. Okay, we know you enjoy the show. Uh, since then, more have been added to the list. Barack Obama, Joe Biden, the Clintons, Maxine Waters, ex-CIA director and current CNN pundit John Brennan, who received one at the CNN offices. Even though he works for NBC? Yeah, I don't know. Ex-Attorney General Eric Holder and even actor Bobby De Niro have received manila envelopes containing pipe bombs with what appears to be the satirical ISIS-like logo from Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> the text on the stickers looks a bit like Arabic, but actually says, get her done. And I quote from a Reuters article, authorities described the devices as crude, while security experts said their goal may have been to create fear rather than to kill. So, okay, here's my thing about these pipe bombs. Yesterday, it was so it totally seemed like this was a Q psyop. Look, you've got Soros. (laughs) You've got like like a Q believer. Because look, look at the targets. You've got Soros. You've got Clinton. You've got Obama. Oh, and you've got Eric Holder, who is really nobody has really gone after Eric Holder except Q in the Spygate sort of thing. Now, where it loses is a Q, a crazy Q supporter would never send something to Bobby De Niro. He's just a, he's he's not a key player. I mean, it's he's, just he criticized Trump though. This is somebody who might be Q adjacent, but it's someone I think who's just fucking poisoned from yeah. this online environment. Yeah, I mean, th- that's the thing. I mean, the people they're hitting, I mean, like I obviously like a lot of Republicans would have reason not to like uh, Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton. But like Maxine Waters and Robert De Niro are very like specific, like you are like deep in it. Yeah, whoever is behind this, it's clear that they dislike people who have somehow offended or gone against Trump uh, as right. a figure more than a Q. Because he's, uh, uh, there's a few of them that are not mentioned much. Like Bobby De Niro is never mentioned in Q. Yeah, never. I think there's one or two. I, I looked at a list, actually. Most are mentioned many times, correct. But there are one or two that are mentioned only once, and then De Niro is not in it at all. Um, but what I love is that alongside this schoolyard liar and fossilized Democrat, Andrew Cuomo claimed to have received a bomb as well, but upon further inspection, it just turned out to be an informational package (laughs) containing literature. (laughs) Sorry, Andrew, you're going to have to sit this one out. Nobody wants to play with you after your awful smear campaign against Cynthia Nixon. I was telling Julian the other day and Will, I'm curious to to see if you agree is that a, a true Q believer would never do such a thing because a 
if Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama and George Soros uh, died in some sort of a pipe mail bomb blast, they would surely be seen as martyrs and, and they would not be because the whole Q thing is that people want the libs to see their heroes exposed. I mean, that's really part of the huge fantasy. And so, yeah, it, to me, exactly. it, it, it's, it doesn't track that it would be somebody. I mean, and Julian made a good point. There's always there's always the chance that some fucking crazy motherfucker just Q's been gone for two weeks. He's real impatient. Yeah, he's going to take it into his own hands. You, you say know? you say a real Q non-believer, but I think the movement's too fragmented to talk about some sort of consistent thing among the believers. I That's, think everyone chooses their little parts. And guess what? I think there's a good ass percent of them that are mentally ill and capable of doing such a thing. I think this is definitely a baby's first bomb situation. Like it's not definitely. A, I don't think these bombs could have blown up even. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not certain, but from the way they're talking about them, Americans don't usually like to downplay how dangerous bombs are. They they yeah. they, they, they tend to go the opposite. So this reads as like they're toy. They bombs, also basically. don't. I've never in my entire 35 years on this planet seen had seen an incident where a bomb was report a bomb scare was reported and within hours there were pictures of the device you never see the device the bomb squad comes and gets it they take it away we find all about it later it's it's yeah. so rare that you that you got cnn tweeting out a picture of this thing that laying out on their office the, the saddest part is this is a a, a four-year consideration uh, oscar campaign uh for larry the cable guy and it's just gone <laughs> terribly wrong <laughs> his netflix special his was netflix he really special wanted to push in which, it yeah in which pipe bombs like are a central character <laughs> yeah i i, I saw Larry the Cable Guy reacting to that whole thing and he was like, this is fake news or whatever and it's like, no Larry, it's real. <laughs> you know, Will, I'm, I'm sure the right is reacting normally, right? There's not some massive movement to brand these bombs as a false flag operation. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's remarkable how how fast uh, you know, mm -hmm. this has come together people saying it was a false flag and everything. I mean, really, like you had some prominent people, obviously Lou Dobbs this morning uh, tweeted that it was a false flag. Um, Rush Limbaugh within hours. Uh, so you know, it, it, it used to be this kind of thing would kind of percolate for a little bit and everyone would kind of get over the shock of it. But but now, I mean, people just really go right for the conspiracy theory. Yeah, no, we have uh, James Woods, Dana Loesch, Michael Savage, Ann Coulter, oh, Mike Flynn Jr., Kurt Schlichter, Candace Owens, David Horowitz. I mean, you have these kind of supposed moderate Republicans uh, that, that are... I mean, this is Alex Jones level shit. The, the fact that we're constantly talking about whether or not something is a false flag when it happens in the mainstream press now is uh, definitely uh, yeah. a shift of the Overton window. The fact that they even on I was watching um, Jake Tapper's show like as it was, it was as it was going on yesterday. Um, my boss was watching CNN. So guys, don't <laughs> think that I watch such trash. <laughs> we know that you live there. Um, but within within the same sentence of reporting about you know, details that were coming out. He also like addressed, he's like to all those who believe that this is a false flag. And I'm like, I can't, this is shit that you used to have to go on to like above top secret.com to see. Yeah, and now within the same sentence of, of, of this is the information that is coming out about this, this mass, uh, you know, pipe bomb mailing. It's like, well, and to those who think that this is a crazy conspiracy theory, here's, here's reasons why you're probably wrong. Yeah. It's, and that's it. That's it. Because if the conversation shifts, then it doesn't really matter what uh, the other side says because the fact that we're even talking about it is a victory. You know? Do you guys think that there is any realm of possibility 
that this is some like deranged liberal that's like, I'm worried about the midterms and I think that a stunt like this is going to tip people that are in the middle and that they are behind this at all. Do you think this kind of thing swings a vote though? I, people are so dumb. I think it could. I think it can get, I think it can get like, like energize the base. Um, but, yeah, it, it, you know, it's it, it's obviously hard to know until until we see these things, but it's so specific. I mean, like Robert De Niro, that that is like that, that's such a random pull. I know, yeah. which to me almost, and I know you guys will hate me for saying this, and our listeners will too. But it's but it's okay. Somebody's got to be the bad guy. <laughs> to me, that that the fact that they were like they were like, oh, and we'll send one to Robert De Niro because he hates Trump so much. Like to me is such like, that is something that like a, like a deranged, like crazy, like liberal might do because they're like, oh, well we know how much like, you know, Donald, you know, of course a deranged right wing guy would have sent one to Robert De Niro. Cause he said, but I don't know. It doesn't like to me, at least in the, in the, in the lurking that I've done in these like terrible communities, like Robert De Niro is a fucking fart in the wind for them. Like he's not even, you know, He's yeah. he's not worth a bomb in the mail. Yeah, but it just it just doesn't it just doesn't really it just doesn't really track in terms of who's going to profit from this. Yeah. Like I can't see a, a liberal being like, "Well, I was going to vote for Trump, but now some anonymous person has sent Larry the Cable Guy bombs." <laughs> yeah, but it's like, not. It's, but but dude, it's it's not it's not like somebody our age. What what you know? It's the people that they that they care most about are these like middle aged white women yeah. who are kind of on the fed. They may mm. they might have voted for Trump in the election, but because of the Kavanaugh stuff and other, they're, oh, they're kind of shifting. Something like this, I think. I think that. Um, they would think that this would put it over because they're like, oh, well, the safety. I'm actually, well. Another possibility is that uh, whoever did this legitimately can't tell the difference between the ISIS flag and the Larry the Cable Guy flag. <laughs> and and yes. that would make this the most American crime yes. in history. <laughs> yes, totally. Well, and I oh, the other thing I go back to is I don't think liberals are um, – they're too lazy to, to actually yes, yes. go through go yeah. through this and make the bomb. I would if it were if it were me and I and I were doing it, I would make one bomb and be like, oh man, that took three days to gather all the parts. Like I don't have the fuck. I'm like Red Dead Redemption Two is coming out at Guys, the end of the week. Like I don't have time for any. Of there's no way that 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 whoever mailed the bombs is a lib because uh, whoever mailed the bombs used forever stamps. Libs would clearly use stamps.com. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's true. But did you guys notice on that one of the things that the that the spiracy, uh, the spiracy folks are saying is that all, the postage do, is not stamped. That there is no stamp on the stamps or a line through to see oh, that it was boy. actually processed. Conspiracy theorists uh, are specialists on anything from mail to uh, how buildings are built. And there to... was no, there was a guy, there was a guy on the Donald who's who was like uh, post. You know how they are on Reddit. They're like post office worker here like this never would have made it through my post office because it would have been stamped it would have been stamped or or, or anything yeah, but yeah. then cnn said that a lot of the packages were hand delivered cnn who now instead of reporting the news just answers people in in reddit yeah they were like yeah cnn was <laughs> the like future of, of media yeah their handle is not fake news uh their uh, their account is just called well actually yeah <laughs> spelled like a-k-s-h-u <laughs> um but the thing is, is so if they were hand delivered by courier, then why did they have the stamps on them? Uh, this sounds like garbage bullshit to me. Well, and it's like, well, I don't know. A person's probably crazy. <laughs> oh I have a quick question for Will. How, um, in your opinion, has the QAnon movement shifted and evolved? I know you've been covering it for a while. 
And where do you think it's heading? Like, is this going to end somewhere? Does it become a new thing? Yeah, so, you know, I've always been amazed that QAnon caught on at all outside of 4chan. I mean, it was truly bizarre, you know, in April, I went to the QAnon march uh, when, uh, obviously, uh, I believe in August or July, when it really, like, got a lot of mainstream attention. People saw how many people believe in it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think QAnon, in, in a way, is here to stay. Um, I mean, like, now people show up to QAnon rallies in the shirts, and it, apparently Secret Service is taking the, is, ma- is stopping people from wearing Q shirts to the rallies. Um, and Secret Service denies this, but there's just, like, tons of reports from QAnon people saying that they have to, like, wear another shirt and all this. Yeah. But it, it's this thing where, like, people have just accepted it. Like, like in these videos, you'll see, like, tons of QAnon people, and everyone's like, ah, who cares? But so, so I, I think QAnon yep. is going to like kind of keep, it's just going to be like a, a thing that's like a part of the Republican base. And, and, you know, no matter what happens, I think they're, you know, QAnon offers a sort of an explanation for everything that happens. Like, I mean, if Trump gets impeached or something like that, they'll be like, it's that dang deep state. Yeah, it certainly feels like, you know, you could rename the, the movement, but the kind of uh, direct to the mainstream and, and um, the breadth of it is probably here to stay that, that that we're in a phase now where, you know, as we see the rise of fascism, as we see the failure of neoliberalism, conspiracy naturally festers um, in the frustration, uh, in the impatience, uh, and just in the injustice, I think, that the average human being is experiencing and just doesn't know where to point the finger. Yeah. So cool. So I I look forward to the rebranding of the QAnon uh, (laughs) name to something new. Yeah. Yes. What will it be? Do you have anything for us, Will? Maybe you could pitch pitch a thing or two yeah sure so yeah you can check out my stuff on the daily beast uh and uh rightrichter.com will that's how you can sign up for the newsletter i'm on twitter at twitter uh will summer s-o-m-m-e-r uh and actually this weekend i will be attending the uh walk away march which is a sort of uh, a movement of ex-democrats oh yes uh and there are several or supposed Mm ex-democrats uh and there are several QAnon related speakers who will be there so I'm curious to see how much of a QAnon, how kind of a crypto QAnon event this turns out to be. Right. Will QAnon awaken to speak to his flock as they congregate? I mean, we need... Yeah. Or, <laughs> Daddy, where are you? Yeah, exactly. Are they going to get up there and be like, uh, so, well... I could see them doing like a... We don't know. <laughs> like, a, like a behind the curtain Wizard of Oz shit and they just have Q speaking like through some big screen. Yeah, I mean, he's got to come back because he he's such a useful tool in uh, giving the base sort of motivation, especially to go out and vote, which is what they desperately need. I cannot imagine that he will not pipe up uh, at some point before the elections. And, and he's got to address the bombs. I mean, Will, you know all the boom, 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 boom shit. I mean, yeah. where people are they, mm-hmm. – somebody's got to try to at least give some sort of uh, hurried explanation as to why this – This is all part of the plan. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in for another week of QAnon Anonymous. We are officially starting a mailbag segment. You can send any and all questions to QAnonAnonymous at gmail.com. We will answer them on the podcast without doxing you. Our Twitter is at QAnon Anonymous. We don't run any advertising on our podcast. We are supported by our listeners. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash QAnonAnonymous. If you pay $5 a month there, you'll get access to our premium episodes, and you'll give the show a chance to grow and put out even more stuff. Jake just got a haircut, funded entirely by the listeners. He hadn't cut his hair in years. It looked Uh, terrible. All my bald spots were showing through, and now it's short and tight, and I look like maybe a year and a half younger. Thank you. I hosed him down yesterday as well. Like He smells a lot better. 
Uh, if you can't afford to support us financially, you can always help by telling friends about us, uh, which is very important in these early days. We're three months in now. Uh, posting about us on social media and message boards helps. Uh, Reddit, whatever, sending love letters to Jake directly. Please. Threatening him. Uh, all of these will help expand our listenership. Uh, or you could just wander into iTunes and give us a five-star rating to compensate for the biblical reign of Pepe's brought upon us by our ambiguously named podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jake, thanks for not forgetting any of your lines. No problem. Will, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on. Again, go follow Will, Will Summer on Twitter, and uh, sign up for his great newsletter, um, the Right Richter newsletter. See you around the bend, listeners, and may the deep dish bless you. It's not a conspiracy. It's fact.